Hello and welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, this is Hepsi Xavier, I'm a third year medical student. Welcome to Endopod's revision series. Each episode will cover revision material for those preparing for exams or even just for those who are interested in learning the basics of endocrinology. In this episode, we'll be discussing the structure, anatomy and physiology of the thyroid gland. We will look at the thyroid hormones, see how they're physiologically active, their regulation and what functions they have, and briefly we'll introduce hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism and goiter. Make sure to check those episodes out following this episode. Let's begin by looking at the thyroid gland itself. The thyroid gland lies across the trachea at the base of the larynx. It is shaped like a butterfly consisting of two lobes joined together by an isthmus. Normally, the thyroid gland is neither visible nor palpable. The thyroid gland contains two cell types, C-clear cells, which secrete calcitonin, and follicular cells, which support thyroid hormone synthesis and surround hollow follicles. Follicular cells form the wall of spherical structures known as thyroid follicles. The centre of the follicle is filled with colloid, which is a sticky glycoprotein matrix. The thyroid gland is responsible for synthesising the thyroid hormones. There are two physiologically active forms which are T3 or triiodothyronine and T4 or thyroxine. Before we get to these hormones, let's look at how they're produced. Previously we talked about follicular cells and the colloid, both of which are involved in thyroid synthesis. Follicular cells manufacture the enzymes which make thyroid hormones and additionally they make thyroglobulin, which is a large protein rich in tyrosine residues. The enzyme and thyroglobulin are exported from the follicular cells into the colloid, so from the walls into the centre of the follicle. Two important substances involved in the synthesis of thyroid hormone are iodide and tyrosine. The follicular cells actively concentrate iodide from the plasma and transport it to the colloid. Then the iodide combines with the tyrosine residues present from the thyroglobulin to form the thyroid hormones. Both tyrosine and iodide are derived from the diet. So how does the iodide from the plasma enter the follicular cells? It does so via sodium iodide transporter. The coupling to sodium allows the follicular cells to take up iodide against a concentration gradient. Then the iodide is transported into the colloid via the pendrin transporter. Let's now look at thyroid peroxidase the enzyme involved in thyroid synthesis and what role it plays. So the enzymes which are transported into the colloid along with the thyroglobulin catalyze the oxidation of iodide into iodine and also catalyze the addition of iodine to tyrosine residues on the thyroglobulin molecule. The addition of one iodine to tyrosine will form monoiodotyrosine or MIT. Adding a second iodide to that will form diiodotyrosine or DIT. Now think of MIT and DIT as the building blocks of our thyroid hormones. So if you take one MIT and one DIT and put them together, it will, resu- it will result in triiodothyronine or T3. However, if you add two DIT together and put them, you will get tetraiodothyronine, also known as thyroxine or T4. In order for these building blocks to join, you need thyroid peroxidase to catalyze the reaction. Now the thyroid hormones have been formed, how do they start working? In response to thyroid-stimulating hormone, portions of the colloid are taken into the follicular cells. Then proteolytic enzymes cut the thyroglobulin which release the thyroid hormones into the follicular cells. Both T3 and T4 are lipid-soluble. This means they can pass across the follicular cell membrane into the plasma and bind to plasma proteins. 
The movement of thyroid hormones from the colloid to plasma is under the influence of TSH released from the pituitary. TSH stimulates follicular cells to take back up colloidal thyroglobulin. When not stimulated, the, the thyroid hormones are stored in the colloid. More than 99.8% of thyroid hormones circulating in the plasma are bound to a plasma protein. Thyroxine binding globulin has higher affinity for T4 than T3, meaning that T4 is really slower into the plasma. However, only free hormones can exert an inhibitory effect on thyroid-stimulating hormone and thyrotropin-releasing hormone. This meaning only hormones which are unbound can negatively feed back. Let's have a look at T3 and T4 and compare how physiologically active each form is. Which form do you think will be more physiologically active? Well, there is 50 times more free T4 in plasma than T3. Although the thyroid hormone that binds to 90% of thyroid hormone receptors inside the cells is T3, the thyroid hormone receptors have a much higher affinity for T3 than T4, making T3 3 to 5 times more physiologically active than T4. T4 gets deiodinated to T3 by deiodinase enzymes. Approximately half of the T4 is deiodinated in the plasma, while the remaining other half is deiodinated inside the target cells. The continuous secretion of thyroid hormones and stable TH plasma levels is achieved by thyrotropin-releasing hormone from the hypothalamus. Stimuli which increase thyroid hormone release are cold temperatures, exercise, and pregnancy. Factors which inhibit thyroid hormone release include glucocorticoids, which inhibit th thyroid-stimulating hormone and conversion of T4 to T3, and somatostatins, also known as growth hormone-inhibiting hormone, which inhibits TSH. Remember, thyroid hormone is required for growth hormone action. The thyroid hormones have a variety of roles in the human body. They carry out these roles by binding to nuclear receptors in target cells, where they change transcription and translation to alter protein synthesis. Functions of thyroid hormones include raising the metabolic rate and promoting thermogenesis, increasing liver gluconeogenesis, but there is no effect on blood glucose as pancreas should be re releasing adequate insulin already. Overall, it also increases protolysis and lipolysis. Thyroid hormones also have a crucial function in growth as they stimulate growth hormone receptor expression. Without thyroid hormones, there would be stunted or limited growth. Additionally, thyroid hormones are essential for brain development in utero. For example, maternal iodine deficiency can result in congenital hypothyroidism. Let's briefly have a look at what happens if something goes wrong with the thyroid hormones. If too much thyroid hormones are being produced, then that will clinically present as hyperthyroidism. It can occur from Graves' disease or due to a thyroid adenoma. If there are inadequate levels of thyroid hormones, then it will result in hypothyroidism. It can be caused by Hashimoto's disease, a deficiency in dietary iodine, or be idiopathic, which means there's no known cause. Both hypo and hyperthyroidism are often accompanied by significant enlargement of the thyroid gland. This is known as goiter. In this episode, we have just introduced these conditions. Make sure to check out the relevant episodes for hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism and goiter. And that concludes this episode on the thyroid gland physiology. Thank you for listening and I hope you've enjoyed this. 
please follow us on our social media to keep up to date with everything we get up to and we're very grateful for the support we receive. Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Tejas Sharma, one of our charity coordinators who is involved in the making of this episode. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off.